Here we go. It says this. In his old age, King David was confined to his bed, but no matter how many blankets were heaped upon him, he was always cold. I'm going to skip over to verse 5 because the next four verses are some weird stuff about some young girl. So we're going to skip all that because I ain't explaining that today. Verse 5 reads, at about that time, David's son, Adonijah, his mother was Haggith, decided, watch this, I love this phrase, to crown himself king. You know, what have I been doing with my life? I need to go find me a throne and crown myself king. Crown himself king in the place of his aged father. So he hired chariots and drivers and recruited 50 men to run down the streets before him as royal footmen. Now his father, King David, watch this, had never disciplined him at any time. Not so much as by a single scolding. He was a very handsome man and was Absalom's younger brother. He took General Joab and Abiathar the priest into his confidence and they agreed to help him become king. But among those who remained loyal to King David and refused to endorse Adonijah were the priests Zadok, Benaniah, the prophet Nathan, Shimei, Rei, and David's army chiefs. We're going to have fun today. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment to be an atmosphere of miracles. God, we're believing in this moment, God, that cancer is drying up there, God, that you're healing physical bodies, that depression is being removed, God, that you're you're downloading what only you can. And God, we're so grateful for it. Pray for this word that you take it, multiply it amongst thousands, make it exactly what we need. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen. An amen and amen. We are concluding a series, finally done with relationships. Today, we've got one more installment. If you're new, we've been in a series called It's Not That Deep. What we've tried to do is we've tried to take the complexity of relationships and boil them down to one simple thought. If I can apply this one thing to my life, I can move forward. Now listen, it didn't get broken overnight. It's not going to get fixed overnight. But if I can apply one thing, I can see God's promises come to pass in my life. As we're concluding today, I, I would like to say uh, today's message is going to trigger uh, a lot of you. Uh, the problem is every message I preach triggers a lot of people. It's just the anointing on my life. You can call it anointing. You call it irritation. I don't know what it is, but I think today's going to trigger a lot of people because we're talking about parenting today. We're, we're talking about parenting today, which, which, which I'm excited. I'm pumped. Why is it going to trigger a lot of people? It's going to trigger some of y'all because as I'm preaching, it's going to stir up some thoughts that you've had about your parents that you haven't forgiven or released. You've just buried and, um, and I'm going to dig it up today. And I'm not going to dig it up to tick you off. I'm going to dig it up because God's going to heal it and he's going to bring wisdom in that area. Somebody say amen. Some of you are going to be triggered because you think your kids are perfect. And the rest of us who have met your child, <laughs> nobody in uni kids say amen right now. Look straight ahead. Yes, they are cute. Yes, they are adorable. Listen to me, that little monster <laughs> needs Jesus and needs more Jesus. And they ain't as cute as, don't 
notice in the past, I don't even appreciate it, but notice instead how good looking Adonijah was. I bet his whole life, his mama, look how cute he is. There's no way he hit his classmate. Whatever. And then if you're not triggered because you don't think your kids are perfect or you don't think that, you know, parents or whatever it may be, I'm going to make sure I say the word whooping, spanking, or for those of you who don't believe in it, corporal punishment, at least 17 times in today's message. Uh, and you know what's so funny? I, I'm going to say whooping more than I whoop my kids. <laughs> I actually don't whoop my kids a lot. They do get whoopings and they deserve every last one of them. I don't say it a lot. I, I don't do it a lot, but I'm saying it a lot in this message because it just irritates people. And like I said, one of my giftings, one of my anointings is to, no, not quite. Let me give it to you this way. Oftentimes, the area that you push back the hardest in is the area that you need the greatest healing in. Oftentimes, the area that you push back the most in is the area where you have the most. They're saying amen at flowers. UBC, I don't know about up there, but now they whoop kids at UBC. We know that. Anyway, no, 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 no. Before I go any further, how about we open our heart for God to reveal his word? And his purpose. Come on, look, look at the person next to you and say, just drop your guard, drop your guard. Come on, come on. So, so they didn't want to hear it. They didn't tell you. You, you know you didn't look at your wife because you've been telling her to whoop them kids for the last three years. Okay, look at the other person and say, just breathe, stretch. Come on, just let it out. Just, just let it out. Just let it out. Here, here. Here's the reality. Raising kids is no joke. It, it, it is as complicated as everything else in our lives. And before I jump into that, I understand that not all of us have children. Don't check out on me because here's the deal. You may not have kids, but you're believing God for kids. And it's better to have this information before you need it. Come on, all new parents say, I wish somebody had told me this. Come on now, maybe you're married and you're believing God for children and the doctor said medically it is impossible. Just understand what's impossible for man is possible for God. We have seen so many miraculous pregnancies throughout the history of Union Church. Why not you? Some are like, that's cute, but I never want to have kids. I've moved on in life. That's not my, well, here's the deal. We are all children of God. And one of the things you may not realize is that God is raising you just as you're raising your kids. And if you don't realize what he's trying to do in your life, let me say it two ways. You're going to make his job harder than it has to be. And you're going to miss out on what he's looking to do in your life. Here, here, here's the question. When it comes to parenting, where do I start? You may have kids of different ages. You may have newborns. You may have teenagers. You may have middle schoolers or whatever. Where do I begin? Different people pick different places to begin when it comes to their parenting. Some people begin where their parents messed up. Some people's entire parenting is surrounded around, here's what my parents did wrong. Here's what I did not like. I will not repeat that same mistake. Come on now. So they may say, hey, my parents worked all the time. All they did was work and I don't have any memories of them at my games. I don't have any memories of family time or whatever it may be. So I'm going to make sure that's not what I do. Maybe it's that my parents smacked first and asked never. 
<laughs> it's not they smack me first and then they ask what happened. No, it's just be quiet. And I just said, I am not going to be like that. Or maybe money was always a struggle. It was me and my siblings. There was never enough from 12 years old. I'm working and providing for the house or whatever it may be. And it, because of that, I'm going to make sure my kids never need for any. Hear me. What I don't want to become is not a vision. And running from the past has never led you to a place that you want to go where my parents, we can learn from the past. And by the way, I know there's parents in the room like, I didn't do that bad. It wasn't all bad. Don't forget, they raised you. Do you like you? <laughs> Actually, I don't. Well, blame them. Anyway, running from the past will never get to you where you want to go. Some people start with where their parents messed up. This is my favorite one. Some people start with what the academics say. Do you know how many PhDs have an opinion on how to raise your kids? There's all, you, you need authoritarian parenting. You need authoritative. No, not authoritative. That's the one they all frown upon. Or, or there's this new, it's patient parenting. I am going to allow my kid to express themselves and their emotions. and They are an individual and, and they get to show their individuality. I love when I'm at the supermarket and there's a kid individualing all over the cereal aisle. I'm an individual. <laughs> and I'm like, how that patient parenting working for you now? Or, I, I, I actually did my research. There, there's a parenting style called tiger parenting. That, that, that's for the parent that looks at the three-year-old and says, you're going to the league. You're going pro. You are my retirement plan. You will have no friends. You will have no fun. You will do nothing but do homework or lift weights or practice the piano because you will be Joe Jackson. That was that way. You want to know Tiger Parenting was. And, and, hey, don't knock it till you get the Jackson 5. And then you, I guess, <laughs> can, can I... Just real quick, just for you've got to understand academia always plans for life without the Holy Spirit. Think about it. No, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. I study all these parenting styles, and this is the best. No, that's the best you can do when you don't have God. But with God's help in my life, what I am able to do, the average person without God is not able to do. And I'm not saying it's all trash. I'm just saying I'm never taking all of it because it's always going to be void of the power of God in my life. The, the third place is where people start parenting is when they just don't. <laughs> I did it. I just gave them to humanity. Let's see where it goes. Well, where should I start with parenting? Here's a phrase. Here's a thought. And unlike the last three weeks, this one's not going to tick you off as much. This is not, you guys ready for that? Here's a thought. Begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Hear me, new mom that has not slept in the last three months, more than three hours in a row. Every time you look at your husband when he wakes up in the morning, he's like, oh, I, <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about this near-death experience I had. I nearly lost my whole life, y'all. Jay, my, my oldest Zoe, she's probably about four or five months at the time. And, and you know, she, she, all you losers who have perfect kids who sleep from night one, we hate you people. Anyway, 
none of my kids. And here's the other thing. When you have a kid that's not sleeping, the pediatrician will tell you, oh, the next one will. It's a lie. All three of mine, none of them slept till they were 14. Anyway, <laughs> which means they still ain't sleeping. Anyway. So we're about five months in. Zoe's up, you know, three hours, two hours, or whatever it may be. I, I, I was a good husband. I woke up like the first three weeks. And then after a while, I realized I don't got nothing she wants. I can't help. It makes, this is, this is common sense, ladies. It makes no sense both of us being miserable. I'll be resting. <laughs> this is... This is where I need a bulletproof glass right here. Anyway, I wake up one morning, and y'all, forgive me, I was delirious. I lost my mind. I was, I said, wow, is this the first night Zoe slept through the entire night? That was amazing. And Zy goes, she woke up three times. You just didn't notice. <laughs> Sorry. All that to say, the season of parenting that you're in right now may feel like it will last forever. The reality is you talk to anybody with adult children and they'll tell you it goes like this. Now, as I changed my 17th diaper this week, I said, when is that blink coming? Because tired of wiping behind. But here's the reality. No matter how old your child is, 20 years goes by like that. And if we're not thinking what will this child be at 25? Will they be somebody that I'm proud to say I raised them? Or will they be somebody that their spouse wants a receipt to return them back to my doorstep and say, I'm sorry, but whoever raised this person, I need you to take them. Here's where we begin. We begin with the end in mind. Just like every other journey we're taking in life, where are we going? And let me start with what do I need to do to get there? In our passage here in 1 Kings chapter 1, David found himself in a precarious situation. He, uh, he was dying, y'all. He was dying. He, he, he told his son Solomon, I'm about to go the way that everybody goes. He, he was so feeble, he could not get out of bed. And he, he, he had not really planned what his succession would look like. Part of the reason why he didn't plan succession is because he had 19 kids. And uh, he didn't know who the mamas was. It was a lot going on. That's a different message for a different day. But he just had not picked who the next king was. And the Bible says his son Adonijah, who was his fourth son, said, well, since dad didn't pick, I pick and I pick me. And here's this. It says, Adonijah went out and he found people to hail him king. And he hired 50 people to run in front of him and declare him. By the way, you can always find people to endorse your foolishness. Just because somebody with credentials celebrates you and claims that you're awesome and all that, it, as my grandma would say, it don't mean a hill of beans. You can, you can always find somebody to celebrate your foolishness. But here it is, Adonijah declaring himself king. Solomon is supposed to be the next king. The whole kingdom is losing their mind. David's here sipping out of a straw. He's knocking on heaven's door. It's almost over. And here's the phrase that blew my mind. It's almost like the Bible says, here's why David's house was in such chaos. Because he had never corrected his son. The Bible says that he had never even scolded him once. Another translation says this, he never asked him what he was doing. In his entire life, he had never asked his son, 
Hey, what's that on your phone? <laughs> My phone? Hey, let me see your text messages. And here's what happened with David. He never thought at some point, one of these little monsters are going to run this kingdom. And I've got to prepare them for that. Our children are anointed by God, called by God, purposed by God, have amazing callings on their life. And guess who's responsible for preparing them? We are. It's prepared with the end in mind. So, so three things, three things from the Bible that I believe that I want for my kids and that you should want for your kids. And by the way, that God wants for you. First thing is this. I need them loving Jesus. I, I need my kids. I need my kids. I need my kids loving Jesus. Okay. Can I just, can I just preach for a second? If we were not in church and I asked you at 35, your children could have one thing, money, confidence, or a relationship with God, which would you pick? I said we're not in church. Don't give me a little church answer. I need them to live. Gee, well, no, because here's what the truth is. The truth is we would think about the struggles of our life. We would think about this world that we live in, and we would say, oh, I mean, I know what the answer is supposed to be, but and we've got to understand if you're broken, insecure, and you've got the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you've got a fighting chance and you have an opportunity to head in the right direction. But if you're worth tens of millions of dollars and are confident as I don't know what, all you will do is have money and confidence to destroy your life before anything else. We need, we not want them, we need them. Here's what I don't understand. How was David not able to pass that to his children? Like that was the defining factor of who David was. Hey, here, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. The only reason David was selected as king, the first king Saul, the Bible says that he was self-reliant and had turned his back on God. Here's what Samuel the prophet was looking for. He said, I want a king that can lead the people in and lead them out. What did he mean? I need a king that can lead people into the presence of God and lead them out to war with the presence of God. The, the thing that defined David's success was his passion for God. But for some reason, he wasn't able to pass that on to his children. The greatest thing I need my kids to have is a passion for God. How do I do that? How do I do it? Can I give you one thought? I've got to prioritize faith. I've got to, I've got to make faith a priority. If you have kids in sports, sports is, I love sports. I can't wait. Y'all gonna call me a horrible dad, but I don't care. My, none of my kids are in sports yet. And it's not because I don't value sports. It's not because I don't want them in sports. It's because I don't see that killer look in their eye yet. They're not ready. They're not ready. That dog ain't, ain't, ain't fully grown in them yet. And I'm not going to put my kid out there to be a bum. If you're getting out there on that soccer field, if you're getting out there on the track, you are out there to do one thing, and that is eat, to destroy the competition. 
So Roman's out there, Daddy, look at a butterfly. You ain't ready to play soccer if you're worried about a butterfly. I need the killer instinct in them. Don't worry, they're almost ready. When I release these chalers on the world, red cards and yellow cards to go around, it's going to be great. If you have a kid that, that plays sports, you, that practice, you know, nowadays it's, you know, three times a week, four times a week, all the, inevitably, you will come to a point in that season where that kid says, I don't want to go to practice. They'll never say they don't want to go to the game. They always want to go to the game. I don't want to go to practice. Come on, where's my Allen Iverson? Practice? We're talking about practice. Like, I don't want to go to practice. I don't want to run hills. I don't want to run back and forth. I don't want to touch the line. If that coach gets in my face more time, I'm going to punch him. Like, I just, I'm, your kids, I'm not in the mood for practice. Come on now. And unless they're sick, what do you tell that child? Listen, you made a commitment. You're building discipline. This, this is something that we've committed to. You're going to church. Oh, sorry, I meant practice. I messed it up. Sorry, you know, sometimes I stutter. I messed it up. No. Come on now. What, what, what do we tell our children when they say they don't want to do their homework? Well, some of y'all, I didn't ask you. <laughs> we prioritize sports. We prioritize education. We may even prioritize dance and ballet and music, but uh, watch online today. It's, it's tight over here. And without even realizing it, we're teaching our children that faith is not a priority. I've got to prioritize our relationship with God. We practice in the rain. And we go to church in the rain. Huh? You're going to sign up for the dance team? You're going to show up for the dance team. If you're going to sign up for Jesus, you're going to show up for Jesus. And I'm not just talking about going, we prioritize faith in our home. So we are going to pray as a family. How often you pick I'd advise every day, because there's demons every day, but three times a week, once a week, Sunday evening, have the family around. I don't care if they're two, three, four, what can I pray for? What, do you know, I hope my kids aren't watching this message. You know these dumb things my kids ask to pray for? <laughs> Danny, can you pray that I can find my supersonic rubber bubble bath toy? <laughs> Your father. I know you don't care because I don't care, but Roman cares. I really hope my kids aren't watching it. No, no, no. I am going to prioritize faith in my heart. Here, 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 here's, here's number two, and it's the biggest one. How do I lead? I've got to model it. Kids will do what you do, not necessarily what you... Do they see you? I remember my mom, my mom, my goodness, she was so godly. She'd get on my nerves. My mama was one of the mamas that when you sinned, she knew without you telling her. She'd be like, Stephen, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, mom, I'm great. And, and she, she'd make you feel so bad. Stephen, you're just not yourself. I don't see the joy of the Lord on you. 
And I'm like, I feel so exposed right now. How do you know? But here's what would happen. Every morning when I would come down in the morning, I would see my mom in the same chair. Bible open, worshiping and reading and honor. After six months of chemo, her second bout of chemo in the same chair, reading the same. And here's what we knew from young. When she's sitting in a chair, don't you dare talk to her. Don't you ask her if there's any more Eggo waffles. She is not responding. She's not in. She was modeling. This is what it looks like to go after God. So guess who has a chair at their house? Guess who knows where to go when I need God to show up in because I saw it. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 11, verse 41. This is Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. By the way, this is possibly the most arrogant prayer you've ever seen in your life. Jesus says this, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me, and I know that you, how arrogant is this prayer? You always hear me, and you always do what I ask. Watch this, but because of these people, what people? You people, who are standing by, I said this, that they might... (laughs) Jesus said, I can pray in my heart and it'll be done. That's how certain I am that my father, but I'm going to live my faith out loud so that the people, here's what the Bible says, as he was, so are we here on the earth. God came to earth as a man, Jesus, not to show off, but to demonstrate how he desired you to live here on earth. Our kids need us to show off. Here's what it looks like to lift your hands and worship. Here's what it looks like to get down on your knees. Here's what it looks like to not know the answer. So you wait until God speaks to you. I'm going to demonstrate to my children. This is what a passionate relationship with God looks like. Here's how I lead. Number three, I've got to teach them the word. Okay, I, I, I asked our kids director what, what, what they wanted us to, to, to tell you about uni and kids, and, and they didn't say this because they didn't have the guts I did. Uh, you ready? Here we go. Parents, ready. All right. It's not our job to introduce your child to Jesus. That's ignorant. Why do you want to say, no, hear me. Here's uni and kids' job to equip and support the family, to lead the family in their pursuit. It is your job to teach your child the word of God. Here's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. God says, be diligent to teach your kids this. And here's why. Because the school wants to teach them something that's not God's word. And TikTok is trying to teach them something that is not God's word. And television and media. And and, and it's become so prevalent that I have adult believers who do not know God's word. Well, how come they can't express themselves the way that they feel? And what if they were really born that way? Then is. How can we judge the way that people, and here's why, because maybe somebody taught you the word wrong. Hold on, no, stop, stop, whoa, I feel like this is a rap battle. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I tell you the wrong way to learn the word? And can I tell you the wrong way to look at God's truth? 
through the lens of right and wrong. That's the wrong way to learn God's truth. Think about it. Come on, take it back. Genesis chapter 3. They were in the garden. He said, I'm giving you everything. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Can I mess with you? God never wanted your understanding of good and evil to be intellectual. He always wanted it to be relational. And here's how we teach God. And by the way, can I just help you out? Because all of y'all had the same ratchet teenage years I did, or maybe you didn't. Can I teach you how to make your kid ratchet? Tell them don't do it because that's what bad people do. Why don't we go there? Because we're Christians. Wrong answer. Why don't we do that? Because we're Christians. Wrong answer. Because your 16-year-old will say, you're a Christian. (laughs) Come on now. Why don't we get drunk? Why do we wait until marriage for intercourse? Here's why. Two reasons. First reason is because it breaks God's heart. Not because it's right, not because it's wrong, because it breaks God's heart. And why would you ever do something that breaks the heart of the one that you love? It's not about good or evil. It's about I'm in a relationship with God and I don't desire. And then can I give you the second reason why we don't do it? Because the reason why it breaks his heart is because it destroys our life. It's not bad because it's bad. It's bad because it destroys us. He doesn't hate it because he's disgusted by it. He hates it because it destroys his children. He said, watch this. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Let me tell you, he said, here's the Deuteronomy. Make sure to tell your kids that this is where the blessing comes from. This is where the favor comes from. This is where doors open and wealth and prosperity and most importantly, a relationship with God comes from when I do things according to God's word. I've got to teach my kids the word before television does. Before I go on to point number two, pastor, it's too late. They're already 32. They're already 40. They're already 22. They're already 26. I've I've missed that formative stage. And pastor, they've gone way off track. Hear me because I've been praying for you all week long. Prayer is not a last resort. Prayer is not a, can I just get one half a second praise break that you can testify you're in this room right now because of a praying grandmother, because of a praying grandfather, because of some mom or some dad that while you were out there losing your ever loving mind, they were on their knees bombarding heaven. There is evidence all over this room that prayer works and God will do the same thing for your kid. Pray them into a relationship with God. And here's the deal. Love them into a relationship with God. Some of us have kids that have walked away from God and we're so angry at them. We're so frustrated with them. We haven't shown them Jesus in a long time. Second thing is just write this and write this down. I, I, I need them loving Jesus and I need them healthy and confident. I, I, don't, I need my kids to love Jesus. Step number one. That's not all I need. I need them healthy. Somebody say confident. I, y'all say it with insecurity. Say it with some confidence. Say, say confident. confident. Now, here's David's kids. They were confident and unhealthy. You know what confident, unhealthy people do? 
They manipulate, they destroy, they self-destruct. I don't just need them. Look me in the eye when I'm not. I don't just need you confident. I need you healthy. I, I heard a definition of health that I loved. Health is when I consistently do things that makes me the best version of myself instead of self-sabotaging. Hear me. Anytime I'm consistently doing things that is self-sabotaging, I am not healthy. And here's what I need for our children, that they're not destroying their life. It makes no sense to have to fight against the enemy and fight against yourself. Come on now. I need you healthy. Can I tell you what creates health? A healthy environment and healthy disciplines. Health has never come out of dysfunction. I, I, I need my kids in a healthy home. We, we, we started something at our house, and, and if I had enough time to shout out my wife, I'm telling you right now, Pastor Zai is all that and a bag of chips and Doritos on the side. I mean, it, we, we, we started family dinners. Where we'll sit around the table and we'll, we'll eat and, you know, we'll do, we'll do, we'll do, you know, probably curse words for immigrant home, but we'll do taco Tuesdays. We eat tacos in my house. I know every rice and beef stew and eating Caribbean is ashamed of me, but we eat tacos in my house on Tuesday. And when I tell you the charcuterie boards and the grilled chicken and the steak and the beef and all this other good stuff, and to see my J girl, she's like 18 months old, be like, yeah, you're grabbing corn and making her own taco and all that other good stuff. And, and then, hey, hey, what, what, what did you learn today in school? And, 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 and hey, give me a report on this and what's going on here. And you would not believe the times I'm out of town and can't make dinner. The way my kids chastise, dad, you missed family dinner. Dad, where were you? We had family and we talked about this and, and we did this and we did that. And I'm, the confidence that they're getting, the health that, the, of this is what family, pastor, I want that. I don't only have them on the weekends. I only have them every other week or whatever it may be. Well, here's what you do. Start where you are and let God fill in the gaps. If you only get them on Saturday, guess what? Every Saturday is family dinner. Who's family? Me and you. And we're going to sit here over these TV meals, put them in the microwave, take them out of the little microwave plate, put them on a real plate, get you some forks, get you a cup, and we're going to look at each other. And we're... I'm going to create an environment that gives you health and stability. Come on now. Can I, can I, can I, I said healthy disciplines, right? I'm going to teach my kids to be healthy. You ready? Healthy people apologize. Healthy people don't lie. When healthy people are angry, you know what they say? I'm angry. Let me tell you why. Tracking with me. We, we, we've got to. <laughs> this ain't the marriage message, and I ain't talking about your spouse. So just look. You haven't. I say you've been married to someone as if you're not married to them any longer. And you may not be. But you ever seen somebody that when they're mad, they don't speak for three days? And I'm mad. <laughs> I'm getting into trouble here, but I really don't care. 
You ever see somebody that when they're mad, they, 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 it's like that serial killer. They get, they get real polite. Good morning. Are you okay? I'm fine. You're not healthy. It's healthy people communicate. Healthy people apologize. Healthy people say, I missed it. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, but I know that I did. Forgive me. Um, we, we, can I? Here's a problem. The problem is we have a sinful nature. The definition of sin is to self-destruct. So we have a propensity to lean towards unhealth instead of health. Tracking with me? We're getting to spanking, so hold yourself. Here we go. <laughs> You're tracking with me. My propensity is to lie, not to tell the truth. My propensity is to look out for self, not for... Uh, you don't have to teach your kid to lie. It's in a... That little cute little angel, they ain't an angel. They a fallen angel. They need the Holy Ghost on the end. Come on now. Everybody, everybody argues over what's my kid going to learn first. Is it dad, dad or mama? You know, all three of my kids learned in their first three words. It wasn't dad, dad or mama. It was mine. Mine. Mine, mine, mine. I'm like, whose name mine? Nobody in this. It's in us. So part of helping to develop healthy kids is teaching them boundaries. You're allowed to go this far. And if you step over this line, there's consequences. Come on now. Sometimes the consequences are timeouts. Like some of y'all, y'all believe in timeouts. I don't even know what a timeout is. Timeout was the amount of time you had to go to your room to think about the whooping you were about to get. That's, that's what timeout was. You go upstairs and you think about what you've done. And then you get another timeout to pull yourself together before you come down and apologize to your aunts and uncles or whatever it may be. That was, that was, that was timeout. Some of y'all may be on taking away the Xbox or whatever it may be, but there is a time where it will become a physical punishment. Let's just have fun. Not to the face. It's discipline. It's not humiliation. I'm not looking to shame. I'm not looking to embarrass. And I'm definitely not looking to punish because I felt embarrassed. Does that make sense? When should I not whoop my kid? When you're so angry, you don't have control. It's not, no, no, no. But here's what the Bible says. Let me just read it. He who spares his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. By the way, this, this is what my dad and mom got wrong. Promptly. <laughs> promptly doesn't mean wait till your dad gets home. That means let's get it over with now. That's Why do we have to involve dad? It has nothing to do with him. It's, I didn't even yell at dad. I yelled at you. So why don't you? <laughs> you can tell I earned my verse. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says if you don't spank your children, you hate them. Don't be mad at me. I didn't say it. The, why, why would the Bible say that I hate my kids? And here's why it's saying that. Because it's saying you're setting them up to fail. You're setting them up to be unhealthy. You're setting them up to be horrible husbands and horrible wives and horrible employees and horrible friends. And, and you're, you're not, they're just so cute. Proverbs 17, 25 says this, a foolish son 
brings grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Oh my gosh, you ever seen the news with that mom or that dad? They dragged that kid off to jail. And mom says, I didn't raise him like this. Actually, you did. But anyway, that's really bad, right? Calm down. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. No, shh, shh, chill out. <laughs> no, no. It's, I'm, I'm thinking about the end in mind. And my parent, too. I get home. They smack their sister, smack their brother. I'm tired. I don't feel like dealing with this right now. But I should have thought about that before I had kids. I've got kids. I've got a responsibility to prepare for them in Christ. Why should I whoop my kids? Can I tell you why? Because God will whoop you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, Because the Lord disciplines, watch this, whomever he loves, and he punishes every son or daughter whom he Can I get in trouble, Rivers? If I'm living a life of sin, and I'm getting away with it, it may mean that I'm not a child of God. Because the Bible says they got to get you right. Some of us are wondering, man, why did all these things happen to me? My car tire fell off, and this is going bad. This is not working. This is not working. And listen to me. If there's a bunch of drama going on, sometimes we want to blame the devil. When it's like, nope, the devil's just a rod that God chose to use. But he's trying to get your attention and trying to say, hey, you're crossing some boundaries that I've created, that I've set up, and I've got to get you back on track. I need them healthy, and I need them confident. Where does confidence come from? It comes from affirmation, and it comes from discipline and practice. Hear me, everybody, but hear me, dads. Your kids got to hear from your mouth that you think they are the greatest thing ever created on planet earth. You've got to affirm them. You've got to encourage them. You've got to, some of us can count on one hand and not use all the fingers. The time we heard a male say, I love you. It's not soft. It's what's needed. They should know that I love them, put a roof over their head and clothes on their back. They don't. And they need to hear it over and over and over again. Every night, I'll give Roman a kiss on his forehead. And every night, I'm like, yuck. And I tell Roman, you can't wipe my kisses off. They last forever. He said, Daddy, if it's dry, I could wipe it off. You should not have told me that. Now I lick his forehead every night. They can't wipe that one out. That's probably why he's sick right now. Anyway, <laughs> they need, because here's the thing. When my daddy tells me I can do it, it don't matter who told me I can't. When my mom says that I have the ability, it doesn't matter what school teacher, what coach, or what bully at school told me. What I know what my dad told me. I know what my mom told me. And that is good enough for me. If I had time to tell you about the times my dad would be at my soccer game or my basketball game and I'd make a mistake on the field or I'd score a point or whatever it may be, I'm not looking at the coach. I'm looking at my dad. Now, my dad would never sit in the bleachers because my mom was in the bleachers and my mom was crazy and my dad was embarrassed to sit next to my mom because she's screaming and yelling and fussing at the refs and my dad would be over in the corner somewhere and I'd, I'd look at my dad and he would just go. And I'm like, bet, and I'm going to get three yellow cards just off of that. <laughs> they need our affirmation, but they also need... 
discipline. They, 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 hey, hey, you, you will practice. You, you will do your homework. You, you, because confidence comes from, I never forget, and I'm, I'm rambling. We, y'all, y'all come play. We're going to land this plane. I, I remember the times that I did not practice for my piano recital. I said, Dad, I can't play. I'm not ready. He said, whether you're ready or not is of no concern to me. <laughs> but your name is on that flyer. Your cousins and uncle are coming. You will be on that platform. And guess what I did? I went up there and I made a fool of myself. And he let it happen. Because you've got to learn that to be confident. You've got to practice. And you've got to be disciplined. You've got to be ready. And you've got to prepare. And then he came down. And he said, Stephen, I'm proud of you. That was horrible. <laughs> but I'm proud of you. I'm going to celebrate you in your failure. I'm going to celebrate you in your success. I'm going to teach you to be. This is, this is, I've been wanting to preach this for a while. And this might not be climb the walls and shout and scream. But I've, I've got to get this to our church. Hear me. One of the things we've got to do to make sure that our kids are confident is we've got to protect them from things that steal their confidence. Track in with me. Sin steals my confidence. When I'm watching things on my computer that I should not be watching, when I'm doing things with my 12-year-old girlfriend that I shouldn't have in the first place, you can see shame on a kid. So can I... These are principles. This is not Bible. So you conduct yourself accordingly. I hate sleepovers. Can I just help you out? Every first time I did anything that I shouldn't have done. First magazine, first drink. I had a sleepover. My kids want to sleep over. Fine. Sleep in my house. And we ain't going to sleep. Me. Track, help, can I help? They don't need a TV in their room. Boy, you need students going to hate me by the end of this message. There's a TV in the family room. Because trust me, when you walk into the family room, they're already changing the channel really quickly. What were you watching? I don't know. I was just flipping. I told that lie so many times I can't even remember. I don't know. Why do you need a TV in your room? Why does the eight-year-old need a cell phone? Some of you parents, you don't know technology. You're going to lose your kid. You're going to lose your kid. Okay, they're going over there at practice. They need a phone. Okay, I have the password. I'm locking apps out. You got one chance to lose them. It takes half a second for innocence to be stolen. And it takes a lifetime to rebuild it back. This ain't the year you grew up in, Dad. Some of us are 35. We still waiting on the sex talk. They need it at nine. Probably seven, because that God-forsaken teacher is excited to teach them what you should be teaching them. <sighs> Bible says, Exodus chapter thirteen, verse seventeen says, "Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had led the pe- let the people go. Watch this: that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Watch this: although that was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds." When they see war and return to Egypt. Somebody say, Pastor, preach it. God will take you the long way because there's some battles you're not ready for. God will drag out some things because this is a fight that it's not your time to fight. Hear me, there are some things that a 12-year-old should never have to fight. 
There are some things that I know he got a little peach fuzz across his nose, and I know he got hair growing up under his arm, and he's 17, and he's faking his voice. It's not that deep. He's faking. Hear me. But there are some fights. Hear me. Any parent's going to be honest enough that I was fighting some fights at 17 that I wish I never had to fight, but there was nobody looking out for me, protecting my confidence. Last thing is this. I need them fulfilled, and I need them focused. First Kings chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to, his Sol- to Solomon, his son. I love his charge. He said, I'm about to go the way of the earth. And he said, so be strong. Here's my favorite line. And act like a man. This is like the, hey, boy, about to die. Don't embarrass me. Be a man. We can't even say that. To- what does it mean to be a man? I don't got time for that. Read the Bible. It'll tell you what a man is. He said, be a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees and his commands. Keep his laws and his regulations as written the day. Not as written in 2023, as written in the law the days of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper. Not don't do it because you're a Christian. Don't do it because you're a good person. Do this so every area of your life can move forward in all you do and whatever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. I need my kids fulfilled and focus. David, David did a lot of parenting wrong. He did all parenting wrong, including Solomon's. I think later on his deathbed, he realized, Ugh, I've never spoken life into my kids. Better late than never, huh? Said, Solomon, come, come. About to die. Here's what I need you to understand. God put a promise on this family before you were born. You're not normal, Solomon. You're not like one of these other kids running. You're the second leg of a relay race. God's hand is on your, God has a plan and a, but here's the problem, Solomon. That plan won't come to pass if you act in ratchet in these streets. If you don't act like a man, which means full of integrity, that you keep your word, that you're healthy and confident. You forget God's word. If you forget his presence, none of this will come to him. But if you do, you're going to live a life beyond anything you could ever ask, think, or it is our job to speak life over our children and to let them know you don't get to make something of yourself. God's already declared who you're supposed to be. And it's for your good, and it's going to be better than anything you could ask, think, or imagine. Proverbs 25, 2 says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. One of our greatest jobs as a parent is to see what God placed inside of our kids. Man, there's a gifting there. There's a pa- I came into my son Roman's room, and... Uh, he had taken all his clothes out of his drawer. He's four and folded each one back like as perfectly as a four-year-old could and had them lined up. I mean, just, and I was so proud. I'm like, this is my boy. You will either be an evil dictator 
or you're going to be a great leader. One of the two, we're not quite sure yet, but both tendencies are in both type of people. So let's see where this goes. I was like, Roman, that's excellent. That's a, I don't know what he's going to become, but it's going to be detail-oriented. Whatever Roman is when he's 40, it's going to be in line, it's going to be straight, and it's going to be in order. You, it, it is our job. as Man, I love the way that you love other people. I love the way how you're always laughing and bubbly and joking and, and find what God has placed inside of your kid and celebrate it and call it out and declare there's something there. God is getting ready to do something in your life. This is what the Bible said about Mary. It says everything that they spoke over Jesus, she harbored it in her heart. She pondered it. Here's my thought. When as a parent, I'm not confident of my own future. I won't have the bandwidth to call out my child's. When I'm living a life of, am I enough? I won't even have the emotional bandwidth to tell my kid, you are more than enough. My question as we close is, who's ever told you I see greatness inside of you? Who's ever told you, I love the way that you have to have everything in your drawer perfectly lined up like you're an evil dictator, and that's, that's amazing. Maybe if we'd be honest, I'm the only person who's ever affirmed me. That's not healthy, and that's what the church is for. That's why God calls us a spiritual family. I don't have kids, Pastor. I suffered through this whole message. Well, here's the message for you. Find somebody sitting next to you and discover the gifts inside of them and celebrate what God placed inside of them. Speak life over them. Watch their back. Affirm them. Build them up. Hey, check them and say you've crossed the boundary that doesn't work. Hey, be the family of God and watch God build a passion and a confidence and a hunger for and focus and fulfillment. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful that God, you've placed so much inside of us. You've placed so much inside of our kids. God, we are grateful. God, I'm praying right now, God, is we're thinking about our children. God, you're thinking about us. God, some of us had it. Some of us missed it in our upbringing. All of us are in desperate need of Heavenly Father. And God, I pray in this moment, I pray over this week, God, that we would hear what our Father says about us purpose, the plan, the destiny that you have for each and every one of right where you're sitting. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time and make this message personal to you. Yeah, God's speaking to us about our parenting and our kids and our parents and all that. But the biggest question that God's always asking is, will you let me be your heavenly father? Will you let me be a part of your life? Maybe, maybe your faith has always been about this is what good people do, so this is why I'm doing it. Or maybe you didn't even know that there was a spiritual family that, that God had for you. Wherever you find yourself, if you'd be honest enough to say, Pastor, I can't say that I'm in relationship with God the way that you're talking about, but I want to. I need him in my life. You can make that decision right now. If that's you and say, Pastor, I need God in my life. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Father God, 
thank you that I can call you Father. Thank you that Jesus came to earth to die on the cross for my sin, for my mistakes, so that nothing can separate me from you. Right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate for every.